0: Testing one, two. Testing one, two. Testing one, two, three, and we are a go. everybody welcome to another episode of the lonely heart sports podcast it's me jeremy i've got jake with me once again we got a lot we got not a lot to talk about on tap today but uh i figured with what we have on tap be a good in-depth discussion how are you doing today sir
1: fantastic how are you doing today Oh, you
0: know, I'm ready for the weekend. It's going to be 90 degrees all, all weekend. So I'm trying to figure out like what I want to do, like once I clock out of work on Friday. But um, uh, honestly, like I said, I'm just looking forward to the weekend. It's going to be a hot one. Uh, hopefully I can enjoy the weather and not have to be in my air conditioned apartment all that much.
1: Yeah, maybe I'll pass out at work one of the days and get a free day off. <laughs>
0: Workers comp, man. Workers comp.
1: Exactly. Pass uh, out on the job from a heat stroke.
0: <laughs> yeah, all right. but Probably. I mean, hopefully, hopefully, I mean, hopefully, someone delivering
1: to sees me follow, so they can call my boss for me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh. in there. Huh, need one of those life alerts help. I've fallen and I can't get <laughs> up. <laughs> uh, yeah, but yes, we have, uh, like I said, we don't have a lot on tap to discuss on today's episode, but I figured with what we have, it'll be a, a good lengthy discussion. Got some hockey talk as usual. We might as well just rename the podcast to Jay's Talking Hockey because of how much we've talked about it in the past few weeks. Uh, we're going to talk about, uh, everybody's favorite boxing duo, the Paul brothers. And then we're also <laughs> going to preview, uh, Euro 2020, which is slated to do, start in a week's time, but I want to get right into our hockey discussions as always. And before we get into talking about the second round of the Stanley cup playoffs, the NHL draft lottery was just yesterday, uh, third Wednesday, just yesterday, Wednesday, um, and the Buffalo Sabres. Have the top pick in the twenty twenty one NFL NHL draft. I almost said NFL. That's that's how much of uh, I'm ready for the weekend there. But uh, <laughs> Sabres have the first pick. What are your thoughts, sir?
1: Um, honestly, I want us to trade the pick. I know we've talked about this. Um, there's no one really great coming out of this year's draft class besides um the kid from Canada that just lit it up at the uh their Owen hockey uh UEFA, or not to UEFA. See, I'm ready for the weekend, too. (laughs) The uh, the, uh,
0: World Championships. Yeah, thank you. The World
1: Championships, UEFA. Come on. We're talking about that later, Jake. But um, no, other than that, I would rather trade the pick and try to get some key components that we need. I feel like we have gone through this rebuilding phase too much where we're drafting good players, but they're just really not – they're either not panning out or they're just taking too long to develop because we have been in this drought too long now with no playoffs, (laughs) I mean, we needed the playoffs at least, I think, once in the last five years. Otherwise, I think this is a main reason Jackson would be gone. Um, but I, it, this year just kind of sucked, though, because you never really got to see the full potential of some of the players due to COVID restrictions on some of the junior leagues that are playing around the world, depending on if players got to play or didn't play or so be it. But I would like to see the Sabres definitely trade that pick.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, well, yeah. I was talking to you. I was talking to a couple other people that I know that follow that follow the Sabres and hockey a a good amount. And honestly, like, you know, it's kind of mixed. Like I'm all I, I always say trade the pick no matter what, because in terms of how the Sabres have developed our young talent over the past few years, it's been pretty hit or miss. And then obviously, like not everybody's gonna be like Jack Eichel. You're gonna have you're gonna have players that will take time to develop. Event you know like how Sam Reinhardt took a little bit of time to get where he is at currently, and even like Casey Middlestan, Rasmus Dahlin, like you know two players that you know really we thought would hit the ground running, but kind of need some time to develop. It looks like that they're re- resurging in their development, though, from what we saw in the latter half of last season, but. I really don't know much about this draft, honestly. I mean, last last draft, it was pretty much Alexi. Uh, it was pretty much Alexi Lafreniere or however you pronounce his name, and then everybody else after that. But this draft, I know that the, like the yeah, top, everybody's talking about Owen Power from Canada, the guy that just. Yeah, pretty- it'd be nice
1: to get a, another good defenseman there. I mean, you got Luke Hughes, who's another top defenseman. Um, and then you got a uh, Matthew uh, Bernier, the center from Michigan, who's actually a pretty decent player. But other than that, players are just kind of average. Like it's kind of like your average NHL draft that, thankfully, we haven't seen the past few years because we've actually got blessed with some superstars. Now there's always going to be those diamonds in the rough that like no one knows about, and then come yeah. out and just light up the league. But like I would say, top like for the top prospects in the draft, there's no one really fantastic. I mean, like I said, Owen Power just did light up uh, the World Championships, but uh. I don't know if he'll pan out to be anything right away, especially playing defense. I don't know where he would – I know the Sabres need help on defense, but I don't know where he would fit in right away because we're still trying to develop Dally into the player we want him to be.
0: Oh, yeah, no, without a doubt. And the thing is, too, is, like, I mean, we also have, like – we also do – like, you know, there's a lot of issues on the defense side of our team that – we're trying to figure out like, you know, it's talking about developing Darlene still there's a, there's once again, we get into the off season it's talks of trading for trading wrist lining for somebody, or, you know, because we have players and we have players in Rochester or, you know, that we've been, that we drafted or developing that could eventually just be like Ristol but m- just a little bit better than him or whatever the case may be. So my thing is, is like, I, I'm sick i'm I'm gonna say that straight out. I'm sick of going through the rebuild phase. i I really feel that with what this team currently has right now, um, if they bring in the right coach, whether it's bringing keeping Donnie Granado, bringing in Bru- Bruce uh, Bruce Boudreau, and maybe keeping Granado as an assistant, somehow finding a way to convince Jack Eichel and Sam Reinhardt to stay. Or just convince Jack Eichel to stay. Um, and then also just, you know, making the right moves. Uh, like, you know, making some good sign, good signings in free agency. And I'm not saying like a big splash because, let's be honest, you, you're you going to really have to convince somebody. Uh, somebody's going to really have to be on one-to-one and come play in Buffalo given the current circumstances of the franchise. But the thing is, though, is that if you know, we have we now have the top pick, so now we kind of have some trade leverage. Maybe we can make a trade or two, you know, to um fill some holes or you know, kind of uh get somebody to bolster the squad a little bit more. And one thing I had mentioned, one thing I had mentioned to you and another friend of mine was you know, kind of talking about you know, where maybe we could try to leverage the pick as potential trade bait for in terms of you know trying to get pieces to help the sabers with using the pick as leverage and one of and I brought up Vancouver to you last night and, oh, I made, yeah. and I made this scenario of like, you know, just because of how Jim Benning is just an absolute genius out there. Canucks fans absolutely love him. Um, but um, uh, no, Jim Benning is a complete clown and Vancouver has a plethora of young talent that's completely being wasted out there. And I had mentioned to you about how maybe we could use the trade, uh, the pick that the pick as
1: trade
0: <laughs> for um, uh, using the pick, trying to trade for like, you know, Elias Patterson, or if that's your Demko or, you know, cause uh, you know, we still kind of, we still kind of need goalie help, not as much as we have in the past, because obviously like it shows that like we have some we we have some quality goaltending, but not as good. Not as good goaltending. And then also like the you know going back to like how we talked about Sam Reinhart uh, potentially wanting out to trade. You know, include him in the deal with the pick and trade him to Vancouver, and just say and somehow
1: fleece Vancouver for um, uh, Elias Pettersson and Thatcher Denko. Uh, I'd love to get Denko, or even honestly get Hughes from them. Get Quinn Hughes. I think oh, yeah. he's an cool absolute Hughes. stud yeah. as well. He, if we could manage that trade, I wouldn't be mad at that. Um, I, I think we have to give up clearly more than just that number one pick. I think you might have to send that pick and possibly Risto. Yeah. But the thing is, though,
0: is like I said, you know, trading the pick, we obviously, if we trade the pick, that pick obviously will have will carry some leverage. And the thing is, though, is like, I don't want to go too much too much into it, honestly, because this could be. Uh, we can talk about this like when when it comes time for the draft, and we can preview it. But I really just don't trust. I'm not gonna lie.
1: I really don't trust the organization, like in terms of like what to do with the pick. I well, mean, know? no one should trust that organization, seeing what we have done the past few. I mean, granted, this last offseason, I thought the Sabres had the best offseason they've had in a long time. But unfortunately, just players didn't pan out. I mean, Taylor Hall kind of ended up just doing nothing. Uh, Eric Stahl really just w- kind of withered away with us. And now he's all right in Montreal, nothing special. But Taylor Hall looked like he rejuvenated himself in Boston. He's been playing really well throughout these playoffs. And so I wasn't mad at last offseason. It's just like it's so hard to tell what's going to happen. That's a prime example. But you can have a good season, So this doesn't go in your favor. But, I mean, what else would you expect from the Sabres, though? Because we didn't never get any luck. Oh,
0: this is true. This is without a doubt there. And the thing is, though, is like that just goes on to like, you know, on paper, like the moves we made in the offseason last, uh, this past offseason thought and we don't I don't want to go much into it there that, that either because like you know we've thought we all thought that they were good moves but obviously it didn't pan out but like now with the, going into this offseason having a top pick having a draft class that's kind of meh outside of like a few prospects here and there that's why I'm saying trade the pick and but then again obviously the general managers of Sabres Twitter are obviously saying we should take holy <laughs> power um uh, but you know, if they ran the team, well, well, we've said this time and time again, if they ran the team, the team would probably have
1: moved to Saskatoon by now. No, I think the team would just hold it, hold it as a whole. sabers There'd be no organization anymore. There'd be back to having the 32 teams in the NHL with the cracking coming in this year. Uh, yeah, no,
0: I mean, I, exactly. Like, I mean, honestly, I, I don't know. I really don't know what to make of the pick. Honestly, I I think we both agree that we should trade the pick. Honestly. Um, uh, I'm just glad that Seattle didn't get the top pick because if Seattle ended up getting the top pick. I would have claimed, I would have claimed, uh, ri- I would have yelled rig
1: from it's the top. Funny. Of, it's funny of you of say that because last night we were watching it, uh, at one of the bars that we went to. And, um, I said, watch this. I said, Seattle's going to get the number one pick. That's going to show you that this draft it's the rig draft. It's yeah, like last I mean- year with, uh, the Rangers getting the number one pick. Well, I mean, uh, it, last year, if the
0: honestly, if Edmonton or Toronto or even Pittsburgh got that pick, then I would have said rigged. I would have shouted rigged from the top, of the, as high as I can, as high as I can climb up. But if Seattle got it, I probably would have been just a little bit more pissed because. I know that the league wants the expansion teams to do well and get them right out the gate. I mean, obviously it just goes to show with the especially with how Vegas has been doing since they came into the league now just over four years, just around four years ago. Uh obviously they don't they want the Seattle team to do well. But the thing is though is like their moves are going to be made more in their in the expansion draft, which will happen after the actual draft. So, Which is still a rigged draft,
1: in my opinion.
0: That's it's not, it's not like
1: the expansion draft of the olden days. Now these expansion drafts, well, the last two now, show that they want the teams to be good coming out. Yeah. Which is understandable because it's a new market, so you want people to actually go pay to watch the games. So...
0: Yeah, no, I agree with you wholeheartedly. It's not like when it's not like when expansion happened. It's not like when expansion happened uh, back in the '60s and '70s, back in the '60s and '70s, where you kind of just like got one of the mill players and good luck. Um, uh, t- I'm, I'm good luck there for the most part. But um, uh, yeah, no, I mean, I hopefully, I mean, it's gonna be an interesting off season for sure especially since our our hockey team that we support has the top pick. Um, uh, Obviously, once the draft gets closer, we'll talk about it more there. But I kind of want to switch up now because there's still whole playoffs that needs to be finished. And uh, I want to take some time and have a laugh at the Dallas Cowboys and Tottenham Hotspur of the National Hockey League, the Toronto (laughs) Maple Leafs. They uh, blew a 3-1 series lead, the Montreal Canadiens – came back from a 3-1 series deficit, never trailed in the remaining three games, and eventually ended up upsetting the Toronto Maple Leafs in seven games. And once again, it's another first-round exit for the Leafs, and they haven't won a playoff series since 2004.
1: Right, the Sabres uh, have won a playoff series, uh, first-round playoff series more than Toronto has, and that's shocking to say, but uh, no, you – you basically called it on the first podcast when we previewed the playoffs. You said if Montreal wins game one, you said they will win in six, They end up winning in seven, but they still end up taking down the Leafs. It's a great thing to see. Now we just need Boston to exit the playoffs, and all Sabres fans can be happy. We can celebrate having that number one pick and Boston and Toronto not winning a cup. I mean, Boston right now,
0: I mean, they're currently playing the Islanders, Uh but that series is tied one-one. I feel like that's a series that can go seven, right? I feel like that's a series. This is a series that can go seven.
1: Um, oh yeah, I mean this was Boston's definitely Boston's toughest matchup because if a Pittsburgh would have went through, um, Boston can play Pittsburgh better because Boston likes to spread that ice out, and uh, the Islanders keep their defense so compact and they play so well defensively. Where yet it might be not the most exciting series whenever the Islanders get to play just because of how defensive they play hockey. But they find ways to win hockey games that way. Yeah, exactly. They
0: always find a way to win hockey games. So, I mean, honestly, like, I'm just – you know, whoever comes out of the East, I mean, I just – I mean, like, I just hope it's not going to be Boston coming out of the East. But, I mean, like, it's going to be very weird. It's going to be, like – it'll be great not to see Boston coming out of the East because, like, let's be honest, like, unless you live in New England, you hate the Boston Bruins. It's the same thing with every other Boston-area sports team. If you live in New England, that's all you care about. If you live outside of New England, fuck your sports teams, okay? Fuck the Bruins, fuck the Red Sox, fuck the Celtics, and fuck the Patriots for everybody that lives outside of New England. But um, uh, going into that, I mean... Obviously, with the Islanders stealing game two, stealing game two, they kind of took home ice going into it. But like I said, they're playing right now, and they're like right now, and they're only down one, nothing in the third. But again, it's a series I feel that can go seven games, and I feel like anybody it's really kind of a toss-up at this moment. But uh, another series that's currently having a game on right now is Carolina and Tampa Bay. And Carolina Carolina finds themselves in a 2-0 deficit and Winning four out of five against the defending Stanley Cup champions with Nikita Kucherov coming back—that's a hard task. For, that's yes. a hard task in my opinion.
1: That's going to be a hard task for that young Hurricanes team. I mean, Tampa has absolutely just looked like a powerhouse throughout these playoffs so far. Like you saw with Cooch back now and everything, they just might be. These might be too much for the Canes to handle. I, I hope the Canes can take this series. I'd like to see them go through. They're a very exciting team to watch. But the way Tampa's playing right now and Vasilevsky has, besides that one game, that one fluke game he had, he has looked pretty solid.
0: Oh, yeah, no, without a doubt. And the thing is, too, is like I under like a lot of people are kind of just like pissed off that like Tampa is, like, allowed to, like, have Kucherov in the playoffs, even though he didn't play the entire regular season because
1: of just how, like, salary and structure was. But well, hey, he was I injured didn't... anyway, so the Tampa Bay did it right by not having to take that cap hit for him, knowing if he played in the regular season, he was only going to be playing maybe 10 games. So at that point, you might as well say for the playoffs. For the people saying that it was Scooper that he shouldn't be able to play, why not? It's in the rules for a reason. And, I mean, Tampa Bay's organization just did that so smart. I mean, oh yeah, no, I
0: agree with you wholeheartedly. Those are the people. They're just like pissed off, and in my opinion, kind of really don't understand like how that how that whole thing works there. But they're also just pissed off because like Nikita Kucherov, who's just been like one of the league's most one of the league's better players over the past few seasons, like you know coming off healthy without playing an entire regular season and he's still being he, he's still showing like why he's been one he's of the showing best why players. He's a top five
1: player in the nhl as soon exactly. as he came back he made an impact right away and exactly. he yeah that's why people are mad just because how good the guy is and he can consistently do it even coming back off of injury he looks amazing
0: yeah and I it's a like scary
1: he- sight to see if you have for the hurricanes to see that
0: Oh, without a doubt, without a doubt, which is why I feel like the Carolina Hurricanes, like, they'll probably end up losing in four or five. Like, I don't see – I can't see them taking four out of five games, uh, taking no, four especially, especially five especially games. especially being down
1: 2-0. Well, if, if they were – if the series was 1-1, to I could see them pulling it up, but being down 2-0 well against this Lightning team is going to be a tough task.
0: Yes, no, exactly, yeah. I completely agree with you there. And I kind of, I want to shift it out west right now. We've got the two best teams on paper uh talk, uh going into game 3, uh the Avs and the Vegas Golden Knights. Um honestly,
1: the Avs are absolute wagon, and I think they could really sweep this Golden Knights team. They have looked unbeatable in the first round sweeping the Blues. Now up, have a 2-0 series lead against of the Golden Knights with an overtime winner yesterday for them to go up 2-0. I mean, that's a tough task for anyone who has to play that team. They are the best team in hockey right now. They're firing on all sin and getting good play from every single person from top to bottom on this team, and it is a scary sight to see. But like I said, Avs are going to win the Cup, and it's not going to surprise me because that's just how good they are.
0: No, the Avs are definitely going to win the Cup. I mean, like, honestly – I. I honestly didn't see the 7-1 ass-kicking that Vegas experienced in Game 1 happening. I thought the series would be very close uh, just because, you know, Vegas was, in my opinion, the second-best team in hockey after Colorado. But then again, it also just goes to show that, like we've talked about in the past, how every team, in the, since it's based on division uh, opponents in the first two rounds, you're, you saw your opponents 10 time at least 10 times like already in the season so you already know how these teams operate so colorado obviously is just taking advantage of like what they already know from their previous experience with vegas in the regular season and they're just utilizing that and they're just going to be like yeah okay you know what we're just going to mop the floor with you and honestly this uh, you know this is going to be a hot take if the colorado avalanche win the cup sorry when the colorado avalanche win the stanley cup they're not going to lose a single game. They're going to go 4-0, 4-0, 4-0 do they, and do four. Do you think they could games. take
1: it and Do you think they could just take it the cup in sixteen games? I mean, they're I, a wagon. I, I, mean, I they I are a stand. wagon.
0: The only way I don't see that happening is if they play Boston in the Cup final.
1: Yeah, well, actually, I'd like to turn it to a somber note real fast. Just real fast prayers up to Brandon Carlo. He just took a hit down in the corner, and we got. He tried to get up three times, stumbled back down each time. He's currently down on the ice. So, prayers up for him because that's a scary sight to see. That is a scary sight to see. That is a scary sight to see. But uh, I will go
0: into something related to that. Oh, I know exactly where you're going with that. Yep, when we previewed the uh, North Series uh, between Winnipeg and Montreal. But, uh, yes, I really think that Colorado could go 16-0 in the playoffs just because of how much they're wagging. The only way I don't see it happening is if they play Boston in the cup final.
1: Um, yeah, I, and- I, I don't think they'll take it in 16 just because this isn't like the NBA where your top teams are always going to win. I could see them losing a couple of games, depending on who they play second round. I
0: mean, honestly,
1: in the semis, I really think that they might, I think they could for sure win 12 games to get to the cup. I think once it gets to the Stanley cup, I don't think we see a sweep from the avalanche especially if they play the Bruins. I think if they play the Bruins, that series at least goes six.
0: Okay, I, I respect that there. I respect that. I completely respect that there. Um, uh, but, yeah, I mean, like, that, that. that's just my hot take here. I mean, Colorado is a wagon. So just given the circumstances there, I would not be surprised if, it, if 16-0 happened. I mean, like you said, the NBA, it's not like the NBA. But the thing is, though, is even in the NBA, nobody actually went undefeated in the playoffs. Only twice, uh, only three, tw- three times in NBA history did teams have only one loss. The 83-76ers, uh, they had one loss. The 2001 Lakers and the 2017 Golden State Warriors did. Um, uh, they all, all three of those teams only had one loss, but, uh, the 2017, uh, Warriors probably should have gone playoffs undefeated. Honestly. Um, I believe they had, they had one game in the finals. Um, uh, they had one game in the finals, uh, one that was taken away from them. One in by they kind of blew it against Cleveland, if I remember correctly. But, um, uh, now I want to go into, the North series between the teams that we all expected, Winnipeg and Montreal. I mean, you know. <laughs> uh, I, you really saw, thought, I really I saw
1: these two teams coming together to play. Yeah,
0: J- I, J- I really saw this happening too. <laughs> let's be honest here. I mean, when you really think about it, it's like we all had Mon- uh, we all had Toronto and Edmonton meeting up, Matthews versus McDavid. but Right, 100 Winnipeg had hit up versus the
1: leading goal scorer in the league. That's the matchup uh, that no one wanted to see. We wanted to see this win. Winnipeg and Montreal series. That's what everyone was hoping. Yeah, we all wanted sure. to
0: see. Uh, we all wanted to see a bunch of fringe NHLers uh, take on uh, Carey Carey Price uh, and <laughs> what co- possibly could be his last chance of winning a Stanley Cup. That's exactly what we all wanted to see here. But the thing is, though, is like you know what? I hate it. I hate Edmonton because if you take McDavid and Seidel off that team, to trash. And let's be honest, I can't stand. Them. Even even if I wasn't a Sabres fan, I would have hated the Toronto Maple Leafs because they do kind of remind. Me of the Dallas Cowboys, overhyped, overrated, and overcovered.
1: Oh well, yeah, they're, so, yeah. It's so.
0: Let's move on to the well, actually. To speaking
1: talking. of though, before we move on from the Canadians and the Jets, um, well, kind of moving on from them, but uh, I kind of moving on to you, them. You win cups with half goalies, and I think Carey Price has looked like the best goaltender right now in these playoffs. And you saw it with the Blues uh two years ago. You when they rode when they rode Bennington all the way to the cup, yep. you can see the Canadians really do that this year. Oh, like I mean the thing continues is- to stand on his head. Like he got hot at the exact time that he needed to, and things are looking good for the Canadians right now, if we're being honest.
0: Oh, I mean, like let's be honest here. I mean, no, things are looking good here. They took Game One, and they took Game One against Winnipeg in a five to three victory. And Carey Price, like, is stand, Carey Price is standing on his head right now. I mean, the guy is unstoppable. Everybody like thought that the guy was washed up in the regular season, but once again, he steps up in the playoffs when it, when they need his team needs
1: him most. That's and why they pay a goaltender nine million. This is the exact reason why I pay a goaltender that. There month. are sixteen
0: right. players in the league. I think there's like a, like sixteen players or something like that in the league that are getting paid ten million or more a season, and
1: only one of them is in the playoffs right now, and his yeah. name is Carey Price. And the other goaltender that's getting paid ten million also looked like garbage in the first round. So I mean, just... well,
0: Spencer Knight's gonna take over his goaltender. Well, yeah, I mean, we all saw it coming. Anyways.
1: But still, I mean, for the for them to pay Bobrovsky ten million was an absolute joke in my opinion. Still.
0: Oh, I agree wholeheartedly. I wholeheartedly agree. But no, Montreal looks good in the playoffs. And honestly, I, I like I said. I like I said. yeah in my hot take, they're going to sweep through the entire playoffs. But I would love Montreal to make the Cup final. I would love for Montreal to make the Cup final because a Canadian team has not won. Wa- a Canadian team has not made the Cup final since twenty. 20- 2011, if I'm correct, when Vancouver lost in seven games to the Boston Bruins. Montreal was the last Canadian team to win the Cup in 1993 when when legendary goaltender Patrick Waugh stood on his head in net and they beat the Los Angeles Kings in six games. Um, uh, But I feel like Montreal...
1: is a guy who deserves a Cup before he's retired. He's one guy in the NHL who he deserves a Cup.
0: Kerry Price does deserve a cup. I mean he's a, he's an, he's an Olympic gold medalist. He's one of the great he's honestly one of the greatest goaltenders of this generation. Quite possibly one of the greatest one of the better goaltenders in the history of the National Hockey League. Contin- he has continued to go follow a trend of great Goaltenders to have ever played for the Montreal Canadiens. I mean, you had Georges Vesna, Jacques Plante, Ken Dryden, Patrick Waugh, Carey Price. Like you know, they've been they've been blessed
1: up there, that Canadian team with good goaltending. They really
0: have. They really have. I mean, it's gonna. I I feel bad for the person that's gonna follow suit for Carey
1: Price. I really do. But uh,
0: no, uh, what I do want to talk about is the hit um, uh, that uh, that uh, Mark Shifley had on in game one at the end of the game there, he was suspended for four games for it. I had talked to actually a friend of mine about it. And I said, I would not be surprised if it's four games. I feel like the, the director of player safety kind of just like says, here you go. We'll suspend you for this amount. Uh, but I've thought four, I've thought four was enough. Honestly, it, I did not think it was, it was definitely not a clean hit. I mean, no, it, was, it was a
1: very dirty hit. I mean, he got a running start from the opposite goal line. And didn't stop skating until they probably hit the blue line of his defending zone. And you can't take a run at a guy like that. I get, I get why you do it. You're frustrated, but that's just a hit you don't throw. Oh I mean, no! The game, the game is basically no. over. Just let, that game's over. Let that puck go in the net. There's no need to. There's no need for Sychley to throw that hit at all. Oh
0: no! And now we. And now I'm. Um, uh... Jake Allen. It was Jake Allen that got that yeah, hit. Yeah, Jake uh, Allen got lit yeah. up. He got lit up. Yeah. He's out indefinitely with a concussion. I mean, the only good news about that was that he didn't have to go to the hospital for that hit, which was which is good. Whereas uh when John Tavares got hit in game one, uh in the Leafs Habs series, uh he ended up having to go to the hospital for that hit because of that hit. That was but, even
1: like a hit. That was just a fluke play what happened to Tavares, though. So. Oh, yeah, no, I I know. Corey Perry was a dirty hit. Yeah, Stipewiz was a dirty hit where Perry literally couldn't do anything about it. You saw him try to get out of the way and ends up kneeing Tavares in the head. Yeah, Yeah, That was a very unlucky play. That was very
0: unlucky there. I do agree. But, I mean, like, we've just kind of, like, you know, it kind of reminded me, like, the contact that was made there kind of reminded me of that. Honestly, like, I'm not saying what Perry did was dirty because we all know it wasn't, whereas Shifley just, like, you know, said, okay, like, fuck. Like, Shifley, you know... (laughs) Probably is lucky that he didn't get his ass kicked by like five, by like ten people there. Nikola uh, Nicola Eiler's Nicola um uh, was stopping a brawl from happening and also protecting Allen from getting hurt again. I I don't know if
1: you saw that. Yeah, I so saw he was blocking everyone off. So good on him for that because they people could have fell on him very easily if he didn't do that.
0: Exactly. But one thing I do want to say there is I even with Jake Allen out indefinitely, I mean, it is a concussion and it's only a concussion. So that's the good news there. So there's still a potential there's still a potential chance that Jake Allen could return to the to the team and actually participate in the playoffs. Should the Canadians advance to the Stanley Cup semifinals? Because obviously with a concussion, you're going to be at least out at least a week with uh, protocols and everything. So, and based on how games come quick and thin, he won't be returning to this series no matter what. But um, uh, just because, just based on how the Canadians actually were dominant in Game One, coming off of a tough seven-game series like that, it just goes to show how resilient they are. And I feel like that they could take the. I feel like that they could take the series again against Winnipeg in six.
1: Yeah, I definitely think the Canadians come on top this series. Um, there's no doubt in my mind, they're not the team coming out, but I think I would say six as well, possibly even five. In my opinion, I don't think this is going, I don't think this series goes any longer than that. Like, I really think they can finish it in five.
0: Yeah. Another thing too, is, is like, I really want to see a Canadian team make the cup final mainly because then the border has to be reopened officially. Uh, something that has not been, been officially opened in over in about 15 months now. So, hopefully, if a Canadian team so makes the uh, cup final, they reopen the border. And also, if a Canadian team makes the cup final, especially if Montreal makes the cup final, uh, I know that they're starting to reopen and end lockdowns across provinces in Canada, especially in Quebec. Um, uh, so, maybe that team, maybe people in Quebec can eventually, you know, just like go out and enjoy like Montreal's run in the playoffs, uh, without having to stay at home because of all the lockdowns that have been happening in Canada. So that's good. So that would be something good to see there, too. Plus, with all the old people, all the old people winning uh, everything um, uh, in 2021, it wouldn't surprise me to see the one of the oldest franchises and winning this franchise in the NHL win the Cup. It wouldn't surprise me at this point.
1: Yeah, no, I agree with you. That That, that wouldn't surprise me either. Uh, but
0: I'm um, uh, going off of all of that. I do want to move on to our next topic, which is about everybody's favorite duo. Uh, <laughs> the two greatest boxers of all time, honestly, even though one of them has an and one record. Uh, that's the Paul brothers and their latest adventure adventures in the world of boxing. Logan Paul is due to fight Floyd Mayweather on Showtime pay-per-view this Sunday, actually. And Let's and here. Listen to this. Here are the rules to this. Ser- here are the rules to this series. I, did you see the rules for this? Uh, yeah, there's some.
1: There, there's some weird rules in there for sure. Um, they're Jake Paul or yeah, Logan can't weigh over one ninety. Um, there's no refs to be judging it. There's no official score at the end. Um, it's three. What was a three eight minute round? Eight three minute rounds. Eight three minute rounds, and then. And then just really no winner if no one gets knocked out.
0: See, what kills me is Logan Paul can't come in at over 190, and for every pound that he comes in over 190, he has to pay a hundred thousand dollars. So if he comes in ten, if he comes in ten pounds over 190, weighing at 200, he has to give up a million dollars. Well, like, that's, what I think that's nothing
1: to him. But uh, I didn't, I nothing. didn't, I didn't see that rule actually. Yeah, no, of, I no, I actually couldn't come in over 190. I didn't know that was a thing.
0: Yeah, no that that's a dumb. That's kind of dumb in my opinion. I feel like that's just more. That's just more uh, another way for Floyd to get more money. But yeah, it kills me. Like, knockouts are classified as legal here, but the KO is up to the referee's discretion, and there's no official winner. So what's the point of even have? What's the point of even having this quote unquote fight if we're just really gonna see two a. Uh, uh, an overrated YouTube personality and a washed up retired boxer dancing in the range for 24 minutes. Is that what we're really going to see? Yeah, probably, but
1: people are still going to pay to watch it. So
0: oh, people are more likely to illegally stream to watch this. I mean, I see, uh, I what I'll be this, doing. it's not worth, I was taking a look at it on Showtime pay-per-view because I do have Showtime included with my cable yeah, and, and sadly I can't get it without having to pay. It's 50 bucks for this.
1: Yeah, I'm Wait, not. I'm not paying fifty bucks to watch this. I'm it? not well, paying I mean, fifty
0: bucks either. I mean, the people in England are luckier. I saw that like on Sky. Uh, on Sky's pay-per-view, it's only like fifteen. It's only like fifteen pounds for the fight, which is equivalent to like uh, around like ten to twelve. Like what, ten to twelve dollars or something like that. So like shit, they're getting they're getting off lucky having to pay for that. But I even then, I wouldn't pay ten to twelve dollars uh, for to watch that. I. I who plays hockey on Sun? Who who's playing hockey on Sunday night again?
1: Um, I... Sunday night game would be Avalanche and the Canadians. Avalanche, Golden Knights, and Canadians, and Jets.
0: Oh look at that hockey doubleheader! Oh, the Yankees and Red Sox are playing on Sunday Night Baseball too. Oh damn, I may have to miss this. Oh, I may will yeah, definitely miss. be missing the fight. <laughs> I'm definitely going to be missing the exhibition of a and it's called a fight. I'll instead be watching a fight on the baseball diamond between the Yankees and Red Sox. May, may, maybe there'll be a fight on Facebook, or at least like Paising will be trying to start one.
1: Maybe we want getting get a fight. Maybe we could pay the, the pay-per-view fight of you two.
0: Oh, the Islanders have just scored!
1: I am behind you. That sucks. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely a couple seconds behind you because I didn't. The see Islanders that.
0: have just scored right now. Oh my god, it's crazy! One to one, five twenty six left in the third. Let's go! It's oh my god, but that's great, honestly. See, once the, see, it just goes to show that anything could happen in this series. I mean, like now that's tied, it, a potential overtime right there. I feel like the Islanders could steal this game from the Bruins. And it would be a huge momentum changer. But going back to our topic here, this fight's a joke. Boxing, and bo- this fight's a joke. What we're going to talk about next is a joke, but uh, is a joke. But the thing is, though, is like because of how much boxing like is discredited right now, this is sadly the best thing going for boxing right now, which is kind of a disgrace given the um, uh, talent that is in all of the divisions of boxing, whether it's welterweight, lightweight, even the heavyweight division. But people, I guess, would rather watch old, you old, washed up, retired boxers uh, face YouTube personalities. But Going off of that, now I want to talk about how Jake Paul is going. has agreed to fight former UFC champion and retired MMA fighter Tyra, Tyron Woodley in another fight in his next boxing match, which will happen on August 28th, which will also be on Showtime
1: pay-per-view. I think Jake Paul gets a shaky title, to be honest. I think, I to... I think Woodley is still – I think he's going to come in this – Fight in shape, and I think he's just gonna beat the shit out of Jake Paul. To be well, fair. we thought
0: that we thought that when it came to Ben Askren too, but uh, Ben Askren ended up uh, getting. Ben Askren
1: also came in, and he, he looked like a fifty-year-old dad And he came <laughs> into the fight. Like, he looked like a guy who goes out there and his New Balance just the lawn with a beer in his hand, goes to his grill for four hours, has like a couple other beers, then gets ready to go and fight someone on the street because someone stepped on his lawn the wrong way. Are you yeah, sure? Look- are, you, are you sure your dad? Are you sure your dad didn't fight Jake Paul? <laughs> I think my dad would have gave Jake Paul a better fight, to be honest.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think Dave probably would have kicked the shit out of Jake Paul. Let's be honest here. <laughs> um, uh, but um, uh, yeah, no, I mean, looking back at the Ben Askren fight, if it's anything like that, it's gonna be a joke. Like we're gonna see like Justin Bieber and <laughs> Pete Davidson again. Let's hope we don't, honestly. But I mean. Ah, oh, I don't even know what to think of this. I mean, what I, I, I mean, it's ridiculous, in my honest opinion. Well, did you <laughs> see what
1: Barcel just posted? So if um if Whitley wins the fight, uh, Jake Paul pays him double the purse that he would win. But if Whitley loses, Whitley has to donate all his money that he won to charity. Oh shit! Okay, okay,
0: that's interesting. I mean, that is very interesting there. Um, uh, but the thing is... Uh... The fight's going to generate a good amount of revenue, like, depending on, like, you know, who's actually in attendance to see it. Both of these fights will generate a good amount of revenue. Whether there's people in attendance to see them, there are going to be some idiots that will pay the 50 bucks to watch it on Showtime pay-per-view. Um, of both of them, the one on Sunday and the one in August. But the thing is, though, is, like, I'm still baffled that this is what boxing has really come to, honestly. I understand that, like, I understand that like, it's really hard for boxers to like actual professional boxers to, you know, be able to fight like, you know, multiple times in a year, given the fact that like, you know, they may be injured or maybe they may be injured or, you know, it's hard to find an opponent given, you know, Given, given you know, title opportunities and everything, but to like to have like Floyd Mayweather fighting Logan Paul and Jake Paul fighting a retired UFC champion who is 38 years old himself, uh, who uh, himself and Tyron Woodley, like it's just sad to see boxing going this way, honestly. I mean, it's kind of like, uh, it's kind of like a more you know, more high profile version of Rough and Rowdy, if you ask me.
1: Yeah, that's that's actually a very good comparison there. I I didn't think of it that way, but that's a very good comparison. I just
0: thought of that right on the spot. I think rough and rowdy
1: gives us more action though, just because it's a bunch of degenerates. Degenerates that don't know how to fight. I'm sure some of them probably come in drunk to the fight. Makes it great. Makes for, I'd rather pay fifty dollars to watch that than I would these fights. Man, <laughs> I mean, fights let's but. be honest
0: here. I mean ninety percent of everybody at Rough, ninety percent of the people at Rough and Rowdy are probably drunk. And that includes Portnoy and Big Cat when they're commentating on it. Well,
1: they're commentating is the best. Someone needs to get them an actual uh someone needs to give them a uh, job somewhere commentating for anything, really. Yeah, I no, mean, the Marshall guys are great. I mean, if you've uh, been if you've been watching the hockey watch long as are all, they're just funny. I'm I'm, people. I'm. I'm
0: going. I'm hearing that. Uh, I'm hearing that. Uh, Big Cat and Troops may commentate. Uh, all all England game may commentate all England games at the Euros. <laughs> that's
1: that. That's that's paid to watch it. I only get it for free on my TV, but I would pay to watch that.
0: <laughs> I would pay to watch a. Lot. Well, I mean, if I would be surprised if they if Troops still live stream for all the England games. I mean, I I would watch that like you did for well, Troops Arsenal is game. hilarious. Troops is hilarious, but... It's still uh, out but hilarious. Yeah, but going into that now, I do want to preview the Euro 2020, even though it's we in might only preview.
1: We might as well only preview one group, to be honest. I mean, yes, there's there's enough to talk about there.
0: <laughs> oh, no, let's be honest here. I mean, the group that we all should be talking about here, obviously, is Group DB.
1: Hmm? I think I lost you. I think we lost Jam, everybody, but what he was going to say is we should be previewing Group D because England is in that group, and boy, oh boy, is football coming home with this team. This squad is going to run through everyone else. Mark my words, football is coming home, people. I promise you that football is coming home. Yes, Jake, yes, football is coming home, (laughs) in july england will top group
0: d but and honest and hungary coming out of group f yes yes definitely the scenes that happen there but honestly there um in terms of euro 2020 even though it's 2021 i'm glad the tournament is finally here um you know there's a lot to talk about with this tournament honestly because you have powerhouses like france germany portugal who are all in the same group, by the way? They're all in Group F. Uh, you have other nations like Belgium and dark like Italy and Wales. And honestly, this tournament could—this tournament is going to be a star-studded tournament, and it's something that I have been waiting. About a year for, honestly, because I always look forward to the international and continental tournaments during the summer. And we were robbed of that last last year with the pandemic and everything, with the world shutting down. I understand that technically we had a summer of soccer with all the leagues coming back. But now we have a true summer of soccer, a true celebration uh, technically it's supposed to be a celebration of the 60th anniversary of the Euro- European championships, even though there haven't been 60 of them. It's 60 years of the European championships, technically 61, but we all know what happened. Like I said, I don't need to go into that again, but. The one thing
1: that's nice about it, getting pushed back a year is now next summer. Now we're going to have the world cup next winter. Oh,
0: that's right. It's, that's right. That's right next winter That's because it's gonna, be, cause it's gonna be in cutter which means the league season is there but yes um uh, but yeah no i mean like when you really think about it like you know it we we have the euros this summer next winter is the world cup so technically there's not that it's only going to be like about 12 to 18 months in between international po- popular international soccer tournaments uh and we're pretty much going to be seeing a lot of the um uh, stars that are going to be in the euros the next uh, in next uh when in the next world cup too so but the thing is though is like going into this european championship like you know there's a lot to there's a lot that really could be discussed you know could france uh win the Euros after heartbreak in 2016 and coming off of their victory in the 2018 World Cup. Can Portugal repeat as European champions? Will it finally come home uh, after England uh, made their made the run to the semis of the 2018 World Cup?
1: Uh, oh, can, if it a square, they would have been World Cup champions.
0: They would have at least made the final, but uh, it's co- it was coming home, no matter what. It it was was coming, coming home. Home. It's coming home now. It's coming home now. Exactly. But uh, going off of that, I mean, there's just a lot of questions to be asked because you take a look at the team, the nations that are participating in the Euros. Like I said, you've got France, you've got Portugal and Germany who are all in group F, which is the group of death. Mm -hmm. And as much as I would love to see Hungary top that group, (laughs) it's just not happening. I mean, they got completely fucked by being placed in a group with all three of those Like, you know, top footballing nations, uh, not just in Europe, but in the world. Um, You know, another thing is like, can Belgium actually finally get it done in a tournament with the plethora of talent that they have with Romelu Lukaku, Kevin De Bruyne, or um, Dries Mertens, um, you know, just players and just a few players to be named
1: there. But- well, it'll be nice. Hopefully, if all goes as planned, Belgium will make it out of Group B. So we will see them in an elimination play, which will be nice because Belgium is and And another team that you should be looking out for, too, is the Netherlands. The Netherlands are going to be a solid squad in Group C. I think they top that group, and I really think they can make a run of this as well.
0: I mean, the thing is, though, is like the Netherlands could potentially be a dark horse as well. Another dark horse, I feel like, could be Italy. I mean, Italy's just been trying to find its identity after, um, uh, especially after uh, the 2014, wor- especially after Euro 2012 and the 2014 yes. World Cup. They've been trying to find their identity because they went through a stage of like their golden generation in 2006 just kind of like all got old. They weren't replacing them. They didn't have young talent coming into the national team. Now they do have that young talent. They have a quality manager in Roberto Mancini. Um, I feel like that Italy could be a dark horse more than the Netherlands. And the only reason why I say that, it comes down to their manager. Isn't Frank de Boer the coach of the Netherlands national team? Yes, he is. Ah, uh, the worst manager in the world, mm-hmm. the worst manager in Premier League history who s- somehow couldn't score a goal with Crystal Palace, have Crystal Palace score a goal, and somehow couldn't get anything done with Atlanta United, which was probably the most talented team in MLS at that time. Uh, so never Dutch fans. Um, uh, shit. if you're looking for Euro glory, you might as well just re watch uh, videos of Marco Van Bastion in 1988, okay. <laughs> But, um, uh, honestly, I'm excited for this tournament. Um, going into it now, like, like I said, you know, group F, probably the group of deft here. Um, you have Germany, you have Germany, France, Portugal, and Hungary, but going off to back to group a Turkey, Italy, Wales, and Switzerland group B is Denmark, Finland, Belgium, and Russia. Group C is the Netherlands, Ukraine, Austria, and North Macedonia. Group D is the future European champions, England, Croatia, Scotland, and the Czech Republic. And then Group E is Spain, Sweden, Poland, and Slovakia. So in reality, I mean, like Group F, obviously on paper, is the most entertaining group because we're going to see France versus Germany, France versus Portugal, Portugal versus Germany. Uh, And then the thing is, though, is Hungary is really no pushover. Either because of how they performed in Euro 2016, uh, if they can if they can have a performance like that again, I don't think that they would be a pushover for either of those teams. Especially with how they already had port, they are very familiar with Portugal. Even though this Portuguese team is much more talented than the team that won in 2016, but anything could really happen in these tournaments.
1: Um, exactly that's the, that's the thing I'm saying about you. All these teams only play each other once to make it out of the group. So you say Hungary just upsets two of the teams and they could make it through. I'm not saying it's never going to happen, but that's what I'm saying about the tournament. Is all you need is really two games. You could have oh. a, you could have a win, draw, and loss, and make it through. in these that's just how tough these just single games are for these teams.
0: Well, that's the thing too, because the thing is though is like since uh, the new format of the knockouts is in, like it's not like the it's not like you know quarters, semis, and finals not uh, uh, anymore. uh it's gonna like you know now it's there's a round of 16 then the quarter semis and finals so like Mm -hmm. you're going to have your top two you're going to have your group winners and your group runners up and then it's going to be the top the four best third place teams in out of the out of the six groups so what's going to happen there is like say Hungary comes say 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 hungary somehow find actually no say north macedonia somehow finds a way to come in third in group c and um uh, they end up having the the second uh, best record out of all the third place teams they're into the round of 16 which would be an amazing achievement for such a small nation like that competing in a major tournament like this with all these european power not just european powerhouses but some world the world powerhouses, powerhouses yeah Exactly. So that's just like, it's, it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, that's how Portugal eventually ended up winning the turn the euros back in 2016. They were one of the better third place teams under the new knockout format. And that's how eventually they rode their way to the final, eventually winning over the, over heavily favored France in 2016. Um, and a lot of people were upset about that because they felt Portugal played poorly, didn't deserve to make the knockouts, but hey, it, it, shit happens. Um, uh, so, I mean, anything could really happen there, but I mean, just going off of it, I mean, like I said, grew, the tournament is slated to kick off a week from now Um and honestly, we're going to be seeing stars like Kylian Mbappe, Cristiano Ronaldo, Harry Kane, Robert Lewandowski, Gareth Bale, Kevin De Bruyne. Um, yeah, honestly, um, Karim Benzema, the return of Kareem Benzema to the French national team after five years uh, away from it. We're going to be seeing other stars um, like Thomas M- Thomas Mueller returning to the German squad for the first time in three years since the end of the 2018 World Cup. Um, But the thing is, though, is like there's just so much talent on a good amount of these footballing nations, uh, national teams. There's just so much talent, young and old, to watch in this tournament. Um, I mean, I'm just overall excited for it. The only thing I'm upset about is Norway is not in the tournament. Why does that upset you? Because we don't get to see early in Holland.
1: Okay, fair enough. He also could have uh re uh what do they call it when they changed Oh, he couldn't do that. I I looked into that actually. There was no it was like two years ago We had the option and it chose to stay with Norway.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, I mean technically he wasn't even born in Norway, he was born in Leeds, so I do see that, but that's that's why he could have went to England. Yes, I did think about that because I've thought about that, but he had already had, but yeah, uh, I, I knew if, that. If was, he actually
1: was from England, it, it would come home for the next 20 years.
0: Yeah, it, it would come home for the next. Jordan lot is just that
1: good of a soccer player. that him. It's him and Mbappe are the next Ronaldo-Messi battle.
0: That's understandable there. I mean, I'm really upset that I'm not going to see Erling Holland uh, in the Euros because this would be a tournament for, like, the lights would be on and he would shine. I mean... This is a guy that's just a natural-born goal scorer, and we're going to be missing out on just his ta- just his overall mm-hmm. talent and his overall scoring abilities, uh, which is going to suck. But the thing is, though, is like you said, we're going to be seeing more young talent. We're going to see young talent no matter what. We're going to see possibly uh, the next best player in the world mm-hmm. in
1: Killing Mbappe. Hopefully Griezmann um, gets in form for this tournament, which would be nice to see. With yeah, considering exactly. With that, considering with how he's played with Barcelona, it would be nice to see him get informed. form
0: the french national team as a whole just has a plethora of talent i mean you it have mbappe griezmann and you're the best midfielder in the world in,
1: uh,
0: in and goal, uh and goal Yeah, they had just a plethora of talent. Um, uh, I mean, the people that got rejected for the France squad could eventually end up winning the Euros. They could send a second team, a France B team, and they could possibly compete and make at least a final, maybe even win the whole thing. That's how good France has been at producing footballers as of late. But Mm -hmm. – Going off of that, I mean, I just want to talk about who I think, like, you know, would top each group. Um, uh, and obviously, uh, we'll start with Group F because that's going to be the most exciting group to watch. And I would be shocked if I don't see France. I would be shocked if I don't see France top Group F. I mean, I mean, unless France somehow finds a way to draw or lose to either Portugal or Germany, there's no way that they don't win their group just because of how good
1: they are. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, defending World Cup champions, um, they're going to come in with a lit under their ass just because of how the 2016 Euros ended for them. Or the, yeah, 2016 Euros ended for them. So it'll be nice to see them. I definitely agree with you that they're going to come out on top. It's going to be a battle for second between Portugal and Germany. I think, unfortunately, I think Portugal tops Germany and Germany will get the third spot. I just think I th- Germany hasn't been that uh, that old powerhouse. Everyone knows Germany as as of recently and um, with their national team playing. But we'll see.
0: Oh yeah, no, without a doubt. Uh we'll just keep going up in reverse order in terms of group E. Um I think Spain tops group E just because you know, I feel like Spain is having a resurgence in terms of, you know, they're kind of like Italy. They had their golden generation. You know, they lost it for a little bit at the twenty four, uh, at the 2014 World Cup. Uh, then they were just finding their way again. Um, uh, they made it to the round of 16 in the 2018 World Cup. Um, and, but the thing is, though, is I feel like with the youth movement they have there, with the resurgence, uh, with, with, you know, they have, good, they have a good mix of young and old. Um, Luis Enrique got petty and didn't pick any Real Madrid players uh, to be on the squad. But I feel like that would be a good thing, too, because the Spanish Real Madrid players are either old and injured or really didn't perform well for club this season, so that kind of makes sense. Um, uh, but I feel like Spain will top the group. Um, and I feel like Robert Lewandowski will find a way to take Poland uh, to second in the group. See, I was going
1: to say, Poland, I think Poland's going to come out on top of this group. I think Lewandowski is going to carry this Polish squad through the whole thing. I don't really think they're going to top uh, Group E over Spain.
0: Ah, okay. I like it. I like it. I like your – I like it. I, I just think Spain would just be a little bit better than Poland in terms of the team, uh, mainly just because I don't know much about the team outside of Lewandowski, the national team outside of Lewandowski. Um, uh, but that's just uh, just that's just bad research on me there. Um, going into Group D, I mean, let's be honest here. All the games are at Wembley. Um, it's coming home. I mean, England's going to top Group D. They're going to beat Croatia. They're going to get revenge on them from the semifinal in the 2018 World Cup. Then they're going to play the Czech Republic. Uh, then they're going to play either the Czech Republic or Scotland. I think it's the Czech Republic. Well, they're just going to win all their games, let's be honest here. I mean, the Czech Republic, uh, you know, uh, England should just kind of – England, it's a game that England should mop the floor with them because of their talent. But the thing is, though, the, it'll be a game where they find a way to scrap a one or two-nil two victory against them. And then they'll face Scotland. And, I mean, the, England has always had Scotland's number over the past few years. Uh, so I just see a masterclass class there. Uh, I may be biased here, but England tops the group.
1: Yeah, England top group, and I honestly, I think Scotland finishes second in this group.
0: Scotland finishing second? I mean, I was thinking Croatia, but also... Well, I mean, that's what
1: I was thinking, too, but I mean, that's the easy pick, and got to have some upset somewhere, so I think this is the upset we're going to see. And Scotland taking uh, the second place in this growing, carried by their captain, Andy Robertson, and you got Scott McTominay there playing your midfield position. I know you know him a little bit because I know both uh, of
0: them a little bit. They also have John McGinn in midfield as well. Um, uh, They also have John McGinn in midfield as well. But the thing is, though, yeah, I mean, you know, honestly, I'm going to change it. I think Scotland will come in second, too. Uh, Croatia will find a way to come in third. Um, uh, I don't know if they'll be one of the third-place teams to go into the knockouts. But, yeah, I mean, like, the British Isles will take uh, the top two spots uh, in England. And England and uh, Scotland will go into the knockouts there. Going into Group C... Uh North Macedonia is definitely topping the group, let's be honest here. But no, seriously, this is the Netherlands group to lose. I mean, Austria and North Macedonia, like, I mean, they add some intrigue into they add some intrigue to the group just based on like what could happen. But I mean, you know, Neither of them, like, really will do any damage uh, looking at it on paper. If the Dutch don't top this group, I mean, it just goes to show that Frank De Boer is the worst manager of all time, and <laughs> the Dutch really need to find a new manager, whether it's calling Johan Cruyff back from the dead or somehow finding a way to pry Ronald Koeman back from Barcelona because he was actually doing a pretty, pretty decent job when he was managing the Dutch team.
1: Yeah, the Dutch, I think it was last year, two years ago, during their international play, were really going on a run. I mean, they're carried by Genie Wijnaldum. He was looking absolutely solid for this team. It also helped, though, at that point they had Virgil van Dijk there, who is not playing in the Euros this summer, unfortunately. Um, still facing injury, but I mean, so, I mean you have, you have uh, Mathis that's still in the back. You got Frankie DeHong in the midfield. So this team really could, like I said, I think this team's going to make some noise in this tournament.
0: Yeah, it all depends on like what happens with their forwards. I mean, I understand you got Memphis to pie, um uh, but I really have to like really take another good
1: look at the squad in terms of like their, their midfielders. The the We're going to see Donny uh, Van de Donny, Beek play. Yeah, he's going to be playing for this Netherlands squad as well. In Donny, the
0: I, I see Donny really
1: finally get the playing time he deserves.
0: Finally gets the playing I, – I do agree with you there. I don't. I, that's another conversation for another day. But uh, yeah, Wijnaldum, Van de Beek, De pie, De Ligt, De Jong.
1: Um, and, uh, uh, and a sleeper that a lot of people kind of sleep on, a the Burneth player. Well, I think he might've actually signed a man say this summer, if I remember correctly, but, uh, Nathan DeIke or however oh, you Nathan say. Ake. Nathan, Nathan, Ake yeah. Nathan back, Ake, yeah.
0: yeah, He'll definitely be partnering with Matthias, Delitz. Uh, uh, be based on uh, how Van Dyke is not going to be playing at the euros because he's still recovering from his ACL injury. But, um, uh, I definitely, definitely would like to see that partnership.
1: I I would as well. I think people, people don't realize how good this kid is going to be. I mean, he's still only twenty six years old. Like, get getting up there in age, but I think he really, by the end of his career, he's going to be playing for a big club. He, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. He definitely. I don't understand like why he's on City, anyways. I mean, uh, he's not going to start for them anytime no. soon, especially with the how Ruben Diaz has been an impact there, and he's also and Ruben Diaz is also three years younger. Um, uh, than Nathan Ake is only twenty three, if I'm correct. Yeah. So, so Nathan Ake like. Leave and go somewhere else. Um uh, but I hope you do well at the never for the Netherlands. Maybe you can get a move somewhere based on your performance there. But uh, going off of that, we're gonna go into group B. And this again, this is Belgium's group to lose just based on their overall talent. Uh with De Bruyne, Lukaku, Hazard, Dries Dries Mertens, um, Thibaut Courtois, and goal. You're gonna have uh Toby Alderweireld and Jan Vertonghen in defense. I mean, they kind of they kind of like proved to be rocks in defense for Belgium, even though they really, you know, kind of don't do it well for club. But uh, it is the history of the Tottenham, so that <laughs> makes sense there. Um, uh, but. I mean, just based off their talent, their depth—that's their group to lose. I understand that, like you know, Russia make they made some noise in the 2018 World Cup, even though they may or may not have doped in that World Cup. I mean, that's still up for debate. I mean, what what Russia
1: team doesn't dope? I mean, you look at them going to the Olympics. Every single team of theirs is doping. It just doesn't come as a shock. So, uh,
0: yeah, they to they're be
1: doping for this tournament as well. I mean, Putin does as Putin does. <laughs> <laughs>
0: We're not trying to get canceled or killed here. Okay. No, I res—I respect them. I respect them. Poo, and don't kill me or my family, please. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're listening, buddy. They're listening. But, um, uh, yeah, no, I mean, Russia and Belgium will definitely top the group. I mean, Denmark could potentially come in second too. I mean, I, I mean, you've got Christian Erickson and Casper Schmeichel. I mean, I really don't know much else about the, um, uh, Denmark squad. Um, about the Denmark squad, other than those two. But the thing is, those erickson's a good Ericsson is honestly a really good player for Denmark. Mm-hmm. And you have Kasper Schmeichel, who's like one of the better goalkeepers in the Premier League. But I mean, going off of that, I mean, like those are the three teams like that could that should come out of their group, um, uh, that have a good chance to come off group B. And then going into group A, Turkey, Italy, Wales, and Switzerland. I mean, I feel like Italy and Wales, those are the two dark horses I had mentioned. Mm -hmm. I would not be surprised if – I would be surprised if neither of them come out if one of the two do not come out of Group A. I mean, I'm not saying that – I think Switzerland – I
1: think – I like Switzerland for this group, to be honest. I think Switzerland tops this group just on the fact of what we've seen Italy do over the past couple of years. Uh, Wales is really hit or miss. It really honestly just depends on Gareth Bale. Um, I, I like the Switzerland squad. They always play good at the international level. I mean, you got Grant Jaka and Jordan Shakiri playing for this team. Um, I, I like the way they play at the international level of this team. So i like to see them make some noise and come on top of this group.
0: Yeah, I mean, the thing is, there is like in terms of it, Um, uh, I would not be surprised if Switzerland, I would be, I would not be surprised if Switzerland tops the group, but the thing is though, is like, you know, like you said, it all depends on the performance of Gareth Bale. Um, uh, obviously like he had a decent season, uh, returning to Tottenham, um, Daniel James, honestly, will be getting a good amount of playing time as well, unlike at his parent at the club that he currently plays for. But uh, then again, a lot of people really don't like Daniel James playing all that much for Man United. I mean, I like when he's out there because he's fast and, you know, he does have some skill. But um, uh, and then with Italy, I mean, like, you know, you've got players like Marco Verratti, Gigi Donnarumma. You still got uh, some old men in defense, some uh they still got the old rocks in defense the fence there, honestly. But um, uh, honestly, that's a group that could be a toss up as well. Um, uh, once again, just kind of like looking forward to seeing like what happens there. But um, uh, I was taking a look at the odds for Euro 2020. And would you believe it that England and France are joint odds on favor to win the tournament?
1: Uh, it, it it is kind of hard to believe just because I I thought France would have been for sure just a standalone number one to win this tournament. Um, I would have thought England would have been sitting at two or three. So that kind of shocked me that they're sitting at the number one odds with France. But then again, this this England squad is really like they have such a good squad. It's kind of back like with their old with their old golden boys. Um, when back when they had Rooney and and. Fuck! I lost my train of thought. Gerard, Rooney, all those, all those Rooney,
0: Gerard Lampard, mm. um, uh, Beckham, it kind of, and... kind
1: of reminds me of this. Like this is this England team is reminding me of that England team. I know that England team didn't win anything, but I, f-
0: I feel like the talent that this England team has compared to them is better though. When you really think about it, I mean, you, I, I think... mean,
1: your midfield is stacked. Your strikers are stacked, and you have so many defensemen that you could play. No, yeah, I, I mean, get... oh. go ahead. Fuck Marshawn, he just scored. Old yeah, time fuck. fuck. fuck um, Boston. But fuck no, me. I mean, I mean, Jesse Lingard now gets his chance to really shine because Trent Alexander-Arnold had to step down. But, I mean, this yeah. team is solid all around.
0: Well, what gets me about that is so going back to Trent. I don't understand why they picked four right-backs anyways, especially picking <sighs> – I, I, I'm so sick and tired of seeing Kerry and Trippier in that fucking squad.
1: Yeah, he's the worst defender out of the four that were picked.
0: Ah, I mean, like it really pisses me off that I never and I, you know, and I, it's it's gonna sound biased for me saying this that like uh, it, it sucks that Aaron Wan-Bissaka is not in the England squad. But you mean to tell me that Carrion Trippier is a better right back than Aaron Wan-Bissaka? If you're trying, if you tell me that, I'm gonna ask you how much crack you're on, because there's no way that Carrion Trippier is a better defender than Aaron Wan-Bissaka. Especially with the fact that Kyrian Trippier was dog shit in his final years at Tottenham, and I mean, I haven't really followed La Liga all, all in the season, but you never really heard about him other than the fact that he got suspended for ten weeks because he told his friends where he was going, and you know, he broke gambling protocols or whatever. But uh, that's a legend move.
1: That's an all time move right there.
0: That really is an all time move. But the thing is, though, he, did, like, he did. this
1: one. They won the title at Atletico, so.
0: They did win the title at had had a lot of I also cool. think
1: I also still think he is like he is really the poor man's Kyle Walker. No, Kyle,
0: like Kyle Walker's just in the squad to be a backup goalkeeper because we all know that like whoever gets injured, uh, if Dean Henderson gets injured, there's no way that one of those two goalies is going in. It's going to be Kyle Walker. Come on now. But um, uh, joking <laughs> aside, honestly, those right, those two right backs, like even Kyle Walker's not better than Aaron Wan-Bissaka. Well, Kyle Walker's a good right back, but he's not better than Aaron Wan-Bissaka. No. The three right backs that they should have taken are Reese James, Trent Alexander-Arnold, and Aaron Wan-Bissaka. And and the thing is though now that Trent is out, they're looking at putting Lingard in because of his form at West Ham. And I'm thinking to myself, if you just want to have four right backs, you might as well just bring. No, but I really think. Well, I South think they from... were. I think they were going
1: to play uh, Trent at a midfielder position. I think they're going to play him at right midi
0: I really think that was is the case too. Honestly. I think that is why they brought
1: Lingard up because they plan on playing Trent in the midfield, which is Trent's natural position. If anyone, if you followed him growing up through the youth youth clubs from Liverpool, he was a midfielder.
0: Yes, yes. And then he ended up making his debut at right back because Nathaniel Klein was injured and then they also really didn't have any true right backs. I do remember when he made his debut in uh, in for Liverpool because it actually was against, it was against United you, yeah, it was against United. It was against United, and everybody's like, "Who the hell is this? Who the hell is this?" And everybody's kind of like laughing. But then again, now look at Trent Alexander Arnold. He's one of the better right backs in the world football, uh, Champions League winner, Premier League winner, um, uh, and should have. And if not for an injury, would be playing in the Euros. Which it sucks to see that he injured himself, that he got injured, and is out for four to six weeks with the, this torn quad. It really does suck because you would be really ta- you'd be taking a young player who has boatloads loads of talent. Into a tournament where he could shine when the lights are brightest. Honestly, because he it it shows that he was able to do it not only in the Premier League but in the Champions League as well. Um, but I mean, adding Jesse Lingard. I mean, we don't know what Jesse Lingard is going to show up. I mean, uh, uh, you know, we could ha- he could we could have the Jesse Lingard that shows up that had his form against West Ham. Um, I mean, with West Ham, or we can have the Jesse Lingard that shows up that only scored against Panama in the world cup and, uh, really didn't do anything after that. But, yeah. um, uh,
1: yeah, I mean, he, uh, Jesse Lingard hit hitter because he went to West Ham. we got the show was true for him. Um, I don't know if it makes a joke. He's a golden boy still, <laughs> but, uh, no, for man United, he was always just kind of that player for you guys, or he's just that, like kind of saying that average game style, um, some good, some bad games, wouldn't score a lot for United. Um, goes to West Ham, looks like an absolute stud. I mean, but that West Ham team is a lot better than a lot of people, like, want to think.
0: No, exactly, exactly. So looking at the England squad right there, I mean, it just, uh, like, it just makes me question it. But then again, it's all it's all up to, like, what happens with them. Uh, it, it all goes, just goes to show, like, you know, who you have on paper, like, may or may not even matter. Because, I mean, uh because the thing is though is like you know you have like your big name players then you have like your average players and then obviously you're going to have players on the team that nobody's going to know unless you're one of the top squads like Portugal or France or England or even Germany or Belgium, even like, you know, there are some players on Italy, like, Oh, who's this? Like, uh, obviously like, I'm not going to know anybody on North Macedonia or even Austria except for David Alba. David Alba is Austrian. But, um, uh, other than that, like, I'm not, I don't know. I really don't. And I mean, like you really need to go more in depth into like looking at everything there, Uh, um, uh, but I mean, this is kind of just like a quick, short preview, but, um, honestly, on an overall basis, I mean, uh, talking about the squads and just how stacked some of them are compared to others. I mean, you know, going into Portugal, you've got, obviously it starts with Ronaldo. You've got Cristiano Ronaldo, then you've got Bruno Fernandes, you've got Bernardo Silva, you've got Ruben Diaz, you've got, you, you've got many, you've got, you've got, um, uh, Rui Patricio and goalkeeper. I was getting ready to say Addison. He's Brazilian. Jeez, I am really ready for the weekend. But, um, yeah. uh, it might be bedtime for you. <laughs> uh, not yet. Not yet. Uh, I really don't want to go to bed. I'm really ready for the weekend, though. It <laughs> goes to show. But, um, uh, and even like with France, like we talked about, um, uh, you know, Griezmann, Mbappe, Benzema, that's just going to be their front three. Um, uh, you know, Conte, Pogba. Um, uh, you know, Lucas, Hernan- Lucas, Hernan- Lucas Hernandez. Um, did Giroud uh, make the France squad? Giroud did make the France squad. He'll probably be coming off the bench, though. I mean, yeah. although the although champs does like to start him, so he'll probably find himself into that, not that striker position, but probably like a false There's nine. A false
1: line that Firmino plays.
0: Yeah, that's how he always works for France. I mean, he, always, he finds- always
1: plays good for France, though, Giroud. Yes,
0: he does. Yeah, he plays – he's played well for club, too. He's very underrated. But, um, uh, I mean, going back to, like, everything associated with the Euros, I mean, you know, in all seriousness here, fi- who makes the final and who do you
1: think wins it? Um, I would really like to see an England-France final. That is my dream final. But it all depends how the groups stack up afterwards. But I'm taking England to win this. I know that me and you just joke about it, football coming home. But I think England has really has a good shot to win this tournament and bring home glory. I
0: mean, we have joked about it for going back to the 2018 World Cup. It's coming home. Then they make their improbable – they make their – "Quote unquote luck run to the semis because let's be honest, who do they really play up until Croatia? But the thing is though is like they their squad now is much better than the squad in the 2018 World Cup. Now going off of reality here, I would not be surprised if the two team these two teams in Group F, France and Portugal, meet in the final again. Based on depending on like you know the luck of the draw and everything after that. But if those two teams don't meet in the final, I will kind of be shocked. But at the same time, and, and you know, I'm still hopeful of the final that we should I should have had in 2018 with England versus France. I think that England versus France could potentially happen as well. And yes, France. In reality, France will probably win the Euros like they should have in 2016, just because of how stacked they are. And I wouldn't be surprised if Portugal did either if they were to make the final if they played France. But England France is my final two and England's taking it it's coming home and the thing is though is that England will <laughs> you know England won't have to leave the country the England team will not have to leave the country because all of their group games are at Wembley. The round of 16 matchup that they could potentially be in would also be at Wembley. The quarterfinal, the quarterfinal matchup would be in Wembley, and if they were make the semifinals and eventually the final, they would not have to leave Wembley Stadium. They literally could just like get a ho- they literally could just like have a hotel in London for like for for like a month and not have to leave London.
1: Yeah, I mean that definitely gives them that home field advantage uh, through the whole through this whole tournament for them, which would be nice. Um, playing at Wembley, they are going to be at full capacity, correct as well? Full capacity after. Uh,
0: after the first two group games, uh, they will have limited capacity for the Croatia game and the second game two, which I think will be against Scotland. Uh, so when they play the Czech Republic or Scotland, depending on who game two is, um, uh, that game will be full capacity. So I feel bad
1: for the, I feel bad for whoever has to play England in that game.
0: Oh, my God. It's going to be nuts. I mean, that's another reason why it's coming home. I mean, that's that's really it. I mean, I don't know much about, like, other nations uh, that are hosting games. I know France. Uh, I know Portugal, if they're hosting, they'll have some fans. Like, they had for the Champions League final. I don't know about Italy, France, or Germany uh friends had their friendly at home a friendly uh not a, a friendly at home just a f- couple days just yesterday a couple of days ago or whatever and they didn't have a crowd from what i saw if there was it was a very small crowd but um uh the but the same thing with germany i mean like you know they're cro- like they may or may not have limited capacity around these other countries but england is definitely reopened so um I really feel like the fans are really gonna just find a way to take this team, this country and ride and you know ride the country's coattails to the final at least and that's how it will come home. I mean, this is gonna probably be if England wins it, it's probably gonna be the most rigged euros ever in terms of just you know, they didn't have to leave the country even though you know it's technically a, multi-nation tournament they're gonna to have the most fans at their stadium um you know in terms of that but me being su- me supporting england in this tournament i won't give a damn
1: you there, buddy? oh my bad my mic was not working for some reason um can okay. you hear can you hear me now
0: I can hear you. We've been having issues all night, I see, but it's right. okay. It's okay. I would
1: love to see this come home. I would love to see the scenes in England if England wins this. It'll be, I think, the whole the whole country will shut down for a solid month if this happens. <laughs> and the everyone's just going to be on the whole month rager. <laughs> I know I'll be on a rager if it comes home. We'll cross the Atlantic and we'll be on a rager together, so. <laughs>
0: Oh if England makes the final I'm gonna find a way to get tickets. I'm literally gonna try and find a way to get tickets I, I do I do not care. I know that like tickets are still I know tickets will be on sale um, uh, somewhere I will try to find to get tickets if not we had talked about it you said you'd come out here there's a, there's many places to watch so- to go watch soccer on a Saturday or Sunday uh, here in Rochester so definitely that could uh, that's definitely also happening if they make
1: the final too. I'm down with that. Yeah, like I said, I'll come up uh, for one of England's games. Probably the for one of England's games, I'm definitely making a trip up to Rochester to watch it with you. So it'll be a great time there. But uh,
0: exactly, exactly. I mean, what's gonna suck is like they're gonna play, There are gonna be some games that they'll play during the week, like when we're playing. So I mean, if they do make, if they do make the final, you're well, you're we're, you're coming up here.
1: That's definitely happening. But um, that uh, I'll uh, really, sleep up there. That's the. Uh, if we're doing that, I'm definitely going to have to uh, sleep, spend the night up in Rochester with you. <laughs> you're out of here by 8 o'clock, though, because I have work
0: the next morning.
1: Oh, uh, so you're just kicking me out, huh? <laughs> well, I've got work
0: the next morning. I can't have you just, like, sitting here, like, while I'm doing work. <laughs> but, uh, I'll um, uh, out of the way. Uh, fair, fair enough, buddy. Fair enough. But um, uh, I have no other final thoughts on Euro 2020. Um, uh, I do want to go into some quick final thoughts before we conclude the podcast, though. I just want to say that congratulations to Duke coach Mike Krzyzewski on a wonderful on a wonderful coach, coaching career. He's going to be retiring at the end of the 2021-22 basketball season, which does come as a shock to me in a way. I always thought that. Him and Roy Williams would kind of like die on the court during Duke, North Carolina basketball <laughs> game. But now that Roy Williams is retired, uh, uh, Coach K will follow suit at the end of this upcoming basketball season. And we'll have a new era of uh, Duke and North Carolina basketball, uh, especially with the rivalry that happened down there. Um So, congratulations on your wonderful career. Hopefully, you're as a Carolina fan. Hopefully, your last ride is a bad one. But uh, as a college basketball fan, hopefully, your last ride is an enjoyable one. Um, I do want uh, the Boston Celtics are in need of a head coach, uh, but I don't think he'll be going there anytime soon. I think he'll just spend time with family and his kids and his grandkids. uh, man, I don't know. Um, uh, but in terms of the Celtics needing a coach, uh, maybe Peanut could become their head coach. He'll light a fire under their ass. Jesus,
1: imagine Peanut being the head coach of the Boston Celtics.
0: <laughs> <laughs> he'd light a fire under their ass. Oh, man. <laughs> I was making a joke with Piski here. I mean, I was making a joke with Piski about that yesterday. He's like he he's like he was talking about on Facebook like who think who should be a candidate. I'm like I know a guy and he's like who and I said Peanut but I didn't tag Peanut because I didn't need Peanut to see in those comments <laughs> and and he's like, and he's and Paiske was like oh he he'd definitely be a good candidate. I'm like yeah he'll light a fire under their ass for sure, making them run suicides after every loss.
1: Yeah, I'm just happy Peanut was over my coach because I saw the way those kids worked, and I'm just very happy that Peanut wasn't there when I was on JB.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, Peanut came. Peanut Peanut came after. Peanut came after that. Um, uh, now nah, Peanut's a good guy though. Peanut's a good guy. I Peanut is a him. great guy. I do miss him. I hope he is well. Um, uh, I don't think he, uh, I don't know if he listens to the pod, but if he does, shout out to you, Peanut. Hope you're doing well. Um, uh, shout out to you too, Paisco. Fuck the Red Sox again.
1: Yeah, fuck the Red Sox, Paiska, uh, go Mets.
0: Um. (laughs) But um, uh, the Yankees-Red Sox is upcoming this weekend. I'm not going to make any predictions because uh, I said that the Yankees would sweep the Tigers uh, last weekend, and that did not work out so well. The Yankees ended up getting swept. Paiska gave me a lot of shit for it, and I'm like, Paiska, shut the fuck up. But um, uh, I I have nothing else. Uh, Do you have any other final thoughts, sir?
1: Um, no, I have no other final thoughts. Um, I mean, got the French Open this weekend uh, for men and women's going to be finishing up. So, you know, maybe to doll. I don't really yeah. know. I don't really know any tennis. I just know that it's on this weekend. Um, I only know three names in the world of tennis. And so uh, <laughs> can't, I mean, can't say much on it. Of-
0: Nadal is the king of clay I mean I figured like not a lot of people follow tennis so like that's one thing like I don't want to talk about but when it comes to Wimbledon I do want to talk about Wimbledon a little bit so just
1: that's just a heads up for you there right, I'll, have to, because, I'll, have to, I'll have to chalk up on my tennis knowledge
0: uh, just get some basic tennis knowledge I only like talking Wimbledon mainly because like it's in it's in the summertime it's in England And, like, you know, it's one of – I do like Federer a lot, and he always seems to find a way to make a final, at least the semis of the tournament uh, when healthy. So, uh, hopefully that's something I can talk about there for a little bit. Not too much, though. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Nadal will probably win win the French Open. He is the King of Clay from, as we all know. But uh, I have nothing else there. If you don't have anything else there, that concludes another episode of the Lonely Heart Sports Podcast. You can listen and subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also follow us on Instagram at Lonely Heart Sports Podcast. We're still working on the Twitter account. We both have full-time jobs. You know, I understand making a Twitter account is kind of easy, but life happens. So when we get the Twitter account up and running, we'll let you know. But uh, until then, just keep on rocking in the free world, everybody.